Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website or send us a WhatsApp. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our Made Whole series, exploring how it is through God and in God that we are made whole. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. See you. Welcome to Sunday. It is Sunday. If you haven't realized it yet, tomorrow is Monday. But it's good to be with you. It's good to see everyone's faces and, and looking at our cameras like we do every week. I want to welcome our online congregation. For those that are joining us from the hospital all over the place, it's good that you are with us this morning. As we continue with our series called Made Whole. And if you were here last week, we had an incredible Sunday. Uh, I really believe that when, when Mads, our guest speaker, brought God's word, there was such a deposit and God was doing something here inside of us. But it was the whole day because that evening we took all our leaders um, in our church and we had training with Mads and equipping and training. And it was a powerful Sunday. And, and it was that realization again that I had is that God desires, hear me, he desires for the much more for all of us. He's not like, okay, plonk you here. That's where you are for the rest of your life. Deal with it. He actually goes, uh, my desire is that there would be more for you. And that's where we see this. And we see it as our anchor verse for our very series of 1 Thessalonians, where it says there, now may the God of peace make you holy. What does it say? In every way. Not just like this, when you're at church on a Sunday, he makes you holy, but then just wait until you get home and on Monday, no, no, it's gone completely. He says in every way, he wants to make you whole, your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And you say, how is that even possible? Because of verse 24, which is the promise that is given to you and I, the very promise that he says, God will make this happen. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. That's the promise and what, what God's speaking in when we speak about this thing of he makes us whole. He actually desires for much more of you. Now, maybe if you're like me, I, I sort of like box things in my lives. That's for you. That's for that. And, and this verse literally takes and he says, hold on. It's every part of you. It's not just your spirituality when you're like that. It also speaks about your mind. Where's your, where's your mental health at? Speaking about your physical body, how he says in every area that are all intertwined and attached together, he says he wants to make you whole and holy. And that's the promise. And so last week, we really started off our series strong. And I believe, like I said, God is doing something in people's lives. And my prayer today is that there would be a continuation there would be an openness to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I, and I continue with that series in week two, speaking into this topic called anxiety. And I've actually titled my message, I've had enough. I have had enough. Anyone said these words similar to those words? Amen. See that hand. Anyone? You know what? It's the very thing of like, I'm done. That's it. Peace out. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I am finished. Maybe you haven't actually verbally said it, but in your head and your heart, you feel like I am finished. Today, I believe that this message is really for those that are struggling with this thing of anxiety, struggling with this thing of like, there's a, there's a, a heaviness. You're heavy in your spirit. 
There's a thing of worry. You're worrying about something. It could be health issues. It could be about your aging parents. It could be about um, someone that you love and, and the decision. It could be about your children and you're saying, are they making the right call? It could be about yourself personally. You're thinking, are we ever going to be able to start a family? What's happening? And so there's this thing and we, we worry in ourselves and there's levels of anxiety that comes from it. And Mads really unpacked it last week and says, where does it usually start from when it comes to the thing about anxiety? From uncertainty. We don't like uncertainty. Well, I do not like uncertainty. Not knowing certain things. I like to sort of be and think that I'm in control of certain situations. And so today's message... I want to speak into this very thing by looking at God's word. And I must just say, I am not a psychologist. I, 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 that man's was beautiful in which you brought that word. I, I'm, not going, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I am speaking today from God's word. And looking at God's word, because you know God's word has a lot to speak about this very thing of an anxiety. And so what I want to do is that I want to, I want to look at a portion of scripture from Philippians 4. I want to take that, and then I want to talk about someone in Scripture that I believe that many of us can relate to. You see, because it's in this, this book of, of Philippians where we introduce to Paul. And Paul is, all that he really wants to do, Apostle Paul, all that his desire is, he says, I really want to just go and preach in Rome. That's where he wants to be, but instead of preaching the gospel, he's actually locked up in Rome, and he's a prisoner. 24 hours a day, he is attached to a Roman soldier, and he's there in a prison cell. And I was thinking about it. Out of all the people that I know right now in my life, Paul, hands down, could have had the most anxiety of anyone else I know. Why? Think of the uncertainty that was in his mind. He has no idea how this is going to turn out. He doesn't know, am I ever going to be freed? And I'm going to get killed. And in that moment, the anxiety must have been so real for him. But somehow, in all of that, there's the Holy Spirit that meets him, that he's able to write what I believe was a God-breathed spirit moment. And he writes his word in Philippians, and I start from verse 4. Look what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is a very important part of, of this verse that I want to tie in, that I want you to see as I go through this and remember it. The Lord is near. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Another translation actually says be anxious for nothing. But instead... In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And like I said, I, this message is really is for speaking into those who are struggling with this thing of anxiety. And so before I go any further, I want to pray for us. Like I said right in the beginning, I believe God is really wanting to, and he started something already. And he wants to continue that. And I want our hearts to be open to what God wants to say today. So I want to pray, and I want to pray especially for our hearts. That wouldn't be hardened. There wouldn't be a divide or any, that we would have hearts that are open to receive God's word. Because it's the word of God that brings life, that changes, that brings us hope. 
And so if you feel comfortable, when I pray, I want you just to place your hand on your heart, just as a symbolism. Online as well, I encourage you, where you are. And let's pray together. Father, it's in this moment that I pray for each one of us as we've gathered here today that your presence, your presence will be so evident to every single one of us. Father, I pray that we will be able to cast our cares upon you. Be able to cast the, the things that have caused an anxiety with it, that we would sense as we do that, we would sense your love for us. That Lord, today, that you would keep our hearts, our mind at peace. But Father, I pray today there would be an immense amount of freedom that will be experienced in this place today. And we pray this in the mighty name of God. Amen. Amen. Well, you read in, and as we were talking about Philippians 4, and we speak about how Paul is now locked up, and, and he sees these words. And as I was praying for today's message, I was thinking about this week and reflecting on it, I was like, he says a line in these verses. Now, keep in perspective why I shared about all that he's going through. He just wants to preach in Rome, but now he's locked up there. But keep in mind all of that. He says something in this verse that, that he says, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. And you know, honestly, I was, as I was prepping and reflecting, I was like, hold on. Is that even possible? Think about it. Is it possible to, to not be anxious about anything? Because just, just pause for a moment and think of your lives. Think about where we are at the moment. Load shedding. Listen, yeah, that causes enough anxiety in me that can like tip me over. Take other situations that we're experiencing. Cost of living, food, what's going to happen here? The amount of reports that we hear of people that are sick, that are, that are dealing with cancer. And, and we can go on and on and you think about workforce and you think of all those things and you go, well, hold on. Is it at all possible for me not to be anxious? Is it just me or anyone else can sense that when you read that? You go, how, Paul? When you were writing that, what was happening? Because how is that possible? You know what they say about Gen Z, and, and we heard it again last week. The Gen Z is high schoolers to university, that age group. They say that the most promising generation, what's happening, but also they flag it as the most stressed out generation in recent history. Because we, we constantly, we, we consumed worry. We're thinking about, do we study? What do you study? Do you go to university? Well, will I be able to get a student loan to go to university? Then you go, well, if I get a student loan, will I be able to get a job to be able to pay back the student loan? And it just becomes this vicious circle. And then you go, should I get married? Or shouldn't I? You look at some people and you're like, well, look, they're married and now they're with like basically a psycho. And do I do this? Don't I do this? And we go through all of this and we're looking around and we're like, how do we pay for bills? How do we do this? Or maybe you're already married and you're thinking, well, I'm already married to a psycho and I'm turning into a psycho because of my partner. And we go and we think about our jobs and we're thinking about, sure, my car needs a service, but we missed our service plan date already. And we need to do this. And I'm worried about that and aging parents and finances and, and the list can go on. And so the worry and uncertainty increases our anxiety all the time. So then how does Paul say, be anxious for nothing? I'll park that there, that thought. Because I want to take us to someone in Scripture, an Old Testament prophet that I believe many of us can relate to. 
Because when you look at his life and you, and, and you see all the things that happened with him, there was the provision of God. There was the faithfulness of God. There was the power. There was incredible things that happened in this man's life. But in the same breath, he struggled massively with anxiety. And I'm speaking about Elijah. Now, very briefly, if you're not sure where, how does he fit, in the context of Elijah, he confronted a very evil king, King Ahab. He confronted him about what he did, and he prophesied that a drought would come his way, and there would be significant impacts to the kingdom, and now the king is not happy with what he has said, and so he sends all his armies, everyone, he says, you get that prophet Elijah, and you kill him. And so for three years, Elijah's on the run constantly trying to escape and he's hiding and yet even through all of that God is faithful God fed him with bread and they said that the the ravens brought meat and all kinds of stuff meat from heaven and bread and there was these incredible moments that happened in his life there was provision at one point it actually speaks about in kings you read how Elijah had to stand down 850 false prophets one man Versus 850 false prophets. Give you context. Our auditorium seats 650. So add an additional 200 people. One person had to face him down. It's like you facing 850 Karens at one point and going, I will hold my ground. I said in the first service, I'll say it again. If your name is Karen, I'm pretty sure you're not like that. And we love you dearly. But you see how he has to stand in front of them and he calls down from heaven and you see the power of God does. He calls from heaven and all of a sudden this fire comes down and literally burns all these prophets to a crisp. And you go to me, scripture's boring. Wait, hold on. Read it again. And so Elijah knows all these things and there's a powerful moment and God's providing in his fire from heaven and all these things and yet it takes one grumpy woman. A Karen to come and literally mess it up all for this man. Literally. This woman's name was Jezebel. And she really messed it up for Elijah. Because of something that she said, he completely spiraled. Completely got himself into a place of anxiety. And he was like, I'm done. There's no hope. Now, very briefly about this woman. Now, King Ahab was an evil man, an evil king. But his wife, Jezebel, made the king look like Mother Teresa, literally. Because when you read this account of Jezebel, she was vicious. And so what happens, and I, I laughed at this, what happens is that the wife, the queen, she eventually after three years of trying to catch Elijah, she's like, just let me do the job, please. You know, when you keep asking your husbands over and over, <laughs> I will change the light bulbs around our house eventually. So he goes, lovey, listen to me. Leave it to me. I'm going to kill Elijah. And it was at that moment, Elijah gets word. And he hears about this and he spirals into a deep anxiety and depression. That he goes, there's no more. I can't even live for anything anymore. He goes, I don't know what to do. And it's like, he's been doing all these things for so long. You know, often it's like that. It's just something that maybe is so simple that breaks the camel's back. And you're like, I can't anymore. I've had enough. 
And when you read, and we're going to look at this account in 1 Kings 19, you see there were four mistakes that Elijah makes when he's in this moment of anxiety. And I want you to see it. And as you read it, maybe you can identify and you go, yeah, I can see I've done that. Maybe you can see you've done two of them, three of them, and maybe you've done all of them. Or maybe you're like, I do more than Elijah's ever made in these moments. So look what it says in, in 1 Kings 19, and I start in verse 3. So when Elijah heard this, speaking about Jezebel, when he heard what was happening, he was afraid and he ran for his life, taking his servant with him. And when they came to Beersheba in Judah, Elijah left his servant there. Then Elijah walked for a whole day into the desert. He sat down under a bush and he asked to die. I have had enough. Now you read this and you go, look how he's irrational at this moment. He's got a place where he is like he's finished. He's at his breaking point. And and we look at this and we're like, no, bro, keep going. You can do this. You've been fighting 850. You can keep doing this. But how many of us can identify with that? Maybe we haven't said the words like, I'm just done. I want to die. But we've thought it. We've thought things like, I can't anymore. We had those very moments like Popeye, I can't stand it no more. I'm done. Because you see, it says there, I'm no better than my ancestors. He literally goes on to say there, and he says there at that moment, he lay down and he slept. Some of us are here right now in our journeys. I can't take it anymore. Like we've been paying bills and if one more thing breaks in our house or an appliance, I'm done. I've had enough. And it always happens in threes. Because the truth is that you always buy your appliance all together. So then they all pack up at the same time. (laughs) You need to stagger them. And you're like, I just can't anymore. Or it's a relationship. I have tried. We have worked. We have done everything. But yet again, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Maybe you're trying to manage home life and you're trying to schedule work and kids' activities and it's like where you need like a full-on PA just to plot the children's activities and, and where to go and you're like a taxi driver and you're going, I can't anymore. I've had enough. Maybe it's as simple as like I make supper every night, I clean and pack the dishwasher every single night and I just don't get a thank you and I've been doing it for so long and I've been fine with it but this time I am finished. I'm going to show them where Jesus is in heaven. (laughs) And you get to that place. Look here. (laughs) We're not talking about personal experiences here. (laughs) You look at this and you you read. You go, Elijah couldn't take it anymore. He reached his point. He says, I've had enough. I am finished. When you look at what happened in this story, I know we laugh because we can relate. You see it, and that's what I said, the Bible, it's not boring. There's truth in it. You can relate so well to it. This is Old Testament, but you can relate to some of the things. My praise that you're not being hunted down by a woman, but that these moments that you can relate. Some of the teenagers literally are, but you can relate to things like this. But when you look at his life and, and what happens in this account, there were four mistakes that, he, that I want you to notice. And you think, why are we focus on the mistakes? Because you know, I want us to look at it. And, and number one is that because there's, there's a level of an awareness that comes. Because you can identify. 
nothing better to be able to go and say, oh my word, you too? You also feel like that? To be able to have a moment to recognize, I was a struggle like this. And so you look at the account, I want you to see, number one, the first mistake that Elijah makes that often we make is that we wear ourselves out. You see, when you look at, it, at, at what happened with Elijah, he ran and he ran, Beersheba, he ran all the way there. And, and, and when you see, when you look at actually the map of where he ran from, it was 160 kilometers. That's four marathons. If you ever run a marathon, you know how long that is. He ran, he ran, he ran, and he kept running. And in the map-wise, he, he couldn't go further or he would have gone into the ocean. When I looked at this, I was like, 160 kilometers is roughly Edgewinter Saldana Bay. This man ran and ran and ran and ran and wore himself out. And then I understand when you see that scripture verse, where he says that that's where he got to a place. He says, I'm just going to die now and lay down. <laughs> Look here, if I had to do one kilometer, I would be saying, I'm just going to lie down <laughs> and lay down. They couldn't write a story about me like this. <laughs> I just ate and ate. And <laughs> he just kept running. He just kept the business of life to keep going. And he's like, because if I stop, maybe everything I'm going to realize is actually where I'm at. And so if I can just keep going and, and the business, and sometimes we don't even recognize the high level anxiety that we're in right now because the business keeps on distracting us. So we're okay to just constantly keep our minds going, scrolling through media, scrolling, because it's just, because if I'm quiet enough and I sometimes hear the thoughts that are inside of my head, and so we would rather wear ourselves out in those very moments. And we have those activating thoughts. That ABCD principle that, that Matt's taught us last week, and I encourage you, go to our YouTube channel, re-watch what she speaks into that. We have these activating thoughts that maybe we think, well, you know what, I can't slow down because I'm not good enough. And what happens if I'm not needed in a place anymore? So that's why I have to keep going. Or if I, if I don't do this, what happens if my true self will really come out when I confront what's really happening inside of myself? So instead, we make the mistake like Elijah does, and he wears himself out. But the truth is, we don't just wear ourselves out physically. Because remember, we're all connected, body, soul, and spirit. So often then our spiritual life becomes weary. Now, there's a difference between tired and weary. Tired is you speak to any parent of the young children. They're just permanently tired. Weariness is when the soul is weary. Where there's just, you go, there's nothing left inside of me. So there's a difference. We wear ourselves with the number one mistake. The second thing that Elijah does and many of us do, we shut people out. Because you see him and you see how he says to his servant, I need to understand in context, the person who had been his servant that left with him would have been a very close friend. It wasn't just a random. It was someone that was very dear to him. And he comes to a point, he says, you stay here. I'm going by myself. And he wanders around in the desert. I relate to this point so well. Because that's what I tend to do when I'm in moments. I, I think that I'm protecting myself. So I keep people more of a distance. And you know what? It's usually the closest people to me that actually know me really well. I'm okay with the crowds. Hello, hello, hello. But then when I'm by myself, I keep the closest shut out. Because we think that we can do that to protect ourselves. We see this. The third thing that Elijah does, and what we also tend to do, we focus on the negative. 
Because in verse 4, you see how he literally says, well, I'm just going to lay down and die because I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than my fathers and who they were. So you know what? I'm just useless. How often do we get ourselves into that place? We focus on things that are like, my life is so hard. I, I can't stand these people anymore. The work that I have, I'm not happy. And I'm always going to struggle. There's always going to be difficulties. We're never going to have breakthrough. There's always going to be this financial situation. And so we focus so much on the negativity and the negative stuff of our lives. Elijah did that. We tend to do that as well. The fourth thing that you see what he does is that he forgets God. We tend to forget God when we're in moments like this, or when we feel like I just can't have him, I can't do it anymore. And yet, all the way through his life, and you see, and it's crazy because you think of Elijah and all the things that he done, and this prophet, and all of this provision, and striking down prophets, and all this amazing stuff, and yet, in the midst of this, this one woman, he forgets everything that God has done for him. And he's like, I'm just going to lay down and die. Because we become, and we've said it off the stage, forgettery people. And the crazy thing is, when you look at Elijah's name, um, where it's actually shortened, the E-L of Elijah is actually Elohim, which means God. And then you look at the second part, the J-A-H, which is actually stands for um, Jehovah. And then you take it, so you say, God is my Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, which actually means God is my breath. He's my sustenance. He's the very thing that sustains me. God is in control always and forever. And Elijah has this name, but yet he forgets and he's in despair. And you think to yourself, God must have thought, how can you forget? Look at all the things that I've done for you. But God doesn't do that. Do you know what he does? In that very moment, and we see this in scripture, he reveals himself to Elijah in the most beautiful way. 1 Kings 19 verse 11. He says to Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. Cape Tonians, we know what the wind is like here. But after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. The earth shook, but he wasn't in the earthquake. The wind came howling, but, but he wasn't in the wind. The fire raged, but he wasn't in the fire. Earth, wind, fire. Those who are old enough will know where that cartoon comes from. Captain Planet. But notice, where was he? in a gentle whisper. The Lord was in the breath. Yahweh, Elijah's name. And the Lord was near in the breath. I started when I was prepping this, I was thinking about something about a whisper. I don't know if, if, if you have a toddler, their concept of whispering is like, whacked. But there's also people, they think that they whisper, but they basically shout and they don't know how to whisper. 
And I was thinking about uh, my daughter. We have this thing where it's like, there's only certain things that I can know as dad. But like Leandri's right there and she's like, dad, dad, I must tell you something. And it's usually about the same thing. And it's usually at something to seven in the morning. So Monday to Thursday, they, they're not allowed having sweets or anything at school. You know, the, it's like you're only allowed a sweet treat on a Friday. <laughs> but she always comes to me. She's like, can I please have sweets? So what I do, it's shocking. I know I will take a few sweets and I'll be like, where's your pocket? Put it in your pocket. And when you're at school, you can have one. <laughs> but don't tell mom that you've got melting speckled eggs here in your pocket. But anyway, go to school. <laughs> so mostly in, uh, uh, in the morning... I'll sometimes forget, but oh, she doesn't forget. And there is a cupboard. When you have a little person, you, you'll see, you'll have a cupboard of, of sweets. And so it was in that moment that she would often come to me and she would want to tell me to remind me again that I need to put sweets in a pocket. But how she does it, because mom's standing there and mom can't hear, but mom's literally like two steps away. But anyway, she can't hear. So she's like, dad. But then because I'm so tall, she'll pull me on my top. And I don't usually lunge because I won't be able to get up after that moment. So she pulls me, so I'll go down on my knee to her. And then she'll come. But her way of whispering is like basically she'll put her entire face into my ear. So she wraps her arms around my neck so you can barely breathe in this moment. And she puts her whole mouth and it's like... Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. She'll tell me in that moment, and she won't let go of holding me around my neck and her ear, my, her mouth in my ear, basically, and it's like wet afterwards. <laughs> to tell me she wants her sweets. And it's only when I acknowledge her, she'll let go of her arms around my neck, and off she'll go. You know, it made me think of this very scripture and speaking about her anxiety. See, he wasn't in the loudness of a moment. God was in the very ordinary of a gentle whisper. Why? So that I'd have to get close. That I'd have to lean in and feel and hear the gentle whisper coming to speak to me. And that imagery of my daughter with her arms around my neck, whispering to me, is the imagery that I have of what God does to us. Yeah. In our moments of anxiety and thinking, I don't have, I, I can't anymore. That he wraps his arm around you and he whispers in your ear, I'm near. I'm near. Because you notice then, what does the devil do? devil will come with loud voices, accusations, screaming, and all these loudness. And yet, God comes in the gentleness of a whisper. Why? So that we'll be near to him. The only way that you can hear a whisper is when you go close enough. I take you back to Philippians 4. That portion of scripture, what does it say? The Lord is near. Yahweh, 
The Lord is my breath. The Lord is near. God's desire for us is to say, can I be near to you in your anxiety? Last week we heard that one in four need to see professional help and I'm all for that and I support that. This message that I'm speaking is speaking more to the generalized. And so for some of us, we do need to go see professional help. But I spoke about four things that Elijah did as mistakes. So what four things do we hold on to when we're in that moment? First and foremost, we need to be able to get close enough to God to hear the whisper. And how do you do that? Number one, we need to pause. You in this space, I encourage you to take this down, to pause and to rest. Elijah had to do that. You see in scripture, verse five and verse six, it says there that he slept, he rested. Resting is a godly principle. Even our savior in the storm, he slept. There were times where he says, I need to withdraw from the crowds to go and rest. You see, instead of trying to, to keep running to wear ourselves out and we keep going and going and going, can we run into the arms of our Savior where we can rest, that he can take his arms around you and whisper into your ear to say, I am near. Yeah, right. We need to pause. Secondly, we need perspective. Perspective about where we are. When we sang those words and Justin got up and says, well, we fix our eyes. Church, we need to, in this moment, we need to keep saying, yes, there are these circumstances. We're not minimizing it. I'm not saying be like an ostrich with their head in the sand. There's real things that we're experiencing. There's real emotions that we weep about. But can we have perspective? Who is in the boat with you? And maybe you need to remind yourself to say and actually speak the words, Jesus, I need you in my boat right now. Perspective to keep our eyes on him. And the third thing is that we need to pray. You see, pray, I don't want it to be our last resort where we go, you know what, I'm just done. Prayer has to be our first response. When we're in moments where there's nothing left, let me tell you, there is always something and it's called prayer. Coming to our Savior, telling Him, and you say to me, What is prayer? It's when you're in the boat, understanding that He's with you, and be able to say to Him, I feel like this. My heart is beating so fast, and things like, Tell Him in everything, pray. And then the last one, the last P, is patience. Now, this is something I struggle with. I, I seriously wish we could just take a tablet and it'll make you thin. Anyone else? Just please, can we have scientists that can invent that? Because we don't, it's, it's a long journey and, and we don't like to wait. And, but in actual sense, there's times where, you know what? The situations might not change just like that. And we need patience where we at. And to understand in the waiting, God is there with you. In the confusion, in the moments he's saying, I cannot control this. He's there. And he's saying, will you have patience, my child? Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. And I believe that this is a word for some. Parents. This is a word. Wait patiently. 
your kids look, no matter how old they are, where's your faith? Wait patiently. Be strong and courageous in that. And yes, wait patiently for the Lord because he who said he will do it will be faithful to complete it. And so in this space, I want to pray for us and I want to encourage you to put everything down in this moment and just close your eyes. I'm so aware and my heart is burdened. I'm pretty sure you can sense it. It's those that are here that are really struggling this morning. And my heart for you as your pastor like I prayed right in the beginning that you would find just a space this morning to be real. For those who are struggling with an overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety and a mental space and, and, and you might even put it up like you're okay to people, but inside there's so much weariness that's taking place. Can I just remind you in this place Philippians 4, verse 5. The Lord is near. He's in the breath of a gentle whisper. And he desires right now in this space to firstly pull you close and to whisper to you, I'm with you. I'm near. He's not surprised by your circumstance. He's not surprised at what's happening. But I want you to hear the hope that we have in that he says, I am near. And you know, just like when you, when my little daughter comes to me and she, I have to change my posture when she wants to whisper. I believe for some this morning, there's an actual physical posture change that needs to take place for you to just feel the arms of God around you to hear the whisper into your ear. I'm near to you, my child. And so in this space, all eyes closed. Today, and you can feel it, your emotions, you can feel it inside of you. God is speaking, the Holy Spirit's working. That you need to physically change your posture. And you're struggling with this thing of anxiety. I want you to stand right now. Just stand where you are. Our first service was an unbelievable time where people just reached out to God. Do not even think, oh, what is that one going to think? Or what's this one going to think? The gentleness of our Savior comes and he says, can I whisper to you? And the action needs to be a physical posture change to feel like reaching out like a little kid comes. You stand and he's saying, I need to be near to you, Lord. I believe there's more. And even in this moment, you're wrestling. You say, no, I don't want to stand. I don't. Just allow the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Church, hear me as you stand. Online as well, I encourage you. I want you to have that image of Jesus coming 
his mouth close to your ear. And right now he whispers to you. And he whispers exactly what you need. It's not a generic. He comes and he whispers to the very thing that you need. says, I'm near, and because I'm near, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in the very thing that you're facing, grief, loss, depression, financial health, whatever you face, he says, in whatever you are facing, with prayer and petition, reaching out to Him, with thanksgiving, present your request, tell Him. That is what prayer is about, just telling Him. Let me let you on a secret. He already knows the very thing that you're struggling with. But He wants to hear you say to Him, God, I need help with this. And then as you do it, allow and feel the whisper saying, may the peace of God, which transcends any understanding, which transcends what, what people say it should be like, or what you have been thinking about yourself, or how it should be, allow that to go and let the peace of God transcend over you, to guard your heart, to guard your mind in this very moment. And will you feel the love of God? speak truth over you that we have a living hope why we can declare words like it is well even in the midst of the storms of what's going we can say it as well why because there's a living hope that we hold on to as believers just receive and be bold enough to say Holy Spirit fill me right now And allow him to fill you. No one needs to lay hands on you. Just allow him to fill you right now. Receive it. Stretch out like a kid or cry to their parent. And receive right now. Even if you're not standing, ask for the Holy Spirit just to fill you. To face your tomorrow. To get, allow him to fill you so that joy will fill inside of you. Peace. Hope. So God, my prayer for each one that's standing, I pray that in this moment they, they would feel the love of God surrounding them. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now as we come to the end of our service. And in this space, we're all eyes closed. For every single one of us, I pray that as you go into this week, as you face what tomorrow holds, that you would know that you have someone who says, I will whisper to you always so that you'll know he's near, that he's in your breath. Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh says, I am always. There is nothing that could ever separate you, neither height nor death, neither powers above or powers below. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God and because of that truth we can walk confident 
God is with me. The Holy Spirit will empower me or direct me. And so in this space, as we end, if I want to do it, and we'll do it week after week, every time we have an opportunity to pray for those who maybe have never made a decision to follow Christ. That you hear, but your heart is cold. Right now, I believe the Holy Spirit saying, will you come home to me? And so that's you with all eyes closed. He's saying, Dan, will you pray for me? I, I need to come back to Jesus. Just lift your hand up. Looking across, amen, and you can put it down. Just lift your hand up on our balcony, amen. You can put it on online. You can indicate as well. But just saying, I actually need to make a decision. I want you to put your hand up. You can put it down. Amen. And I want you to say this prayer with me. Father, today I acknowledge that I need you. Today I surrender my life to you. I've tried to control it, but I'm recognizing I need you. There's something that's missing, and it's you. So, Father, on this day, I give my life to you. And, church, you know what they say? When one comes home, that the heavens celebrate. And so, come on. There's so much to celebrate. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. And I thank you that you are always near to us, that we never, even in our highest moments of anxiety and fear, that you are just a whisper, breath away from us. And so I thank you for that truth that we get to walk into this week. And God's people say together, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you, each church. And I want to encourage you. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We'd love to help you on your discipleship journey.